We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, listeners. Uh, welcome to another ProView podcast with myself, Mark Corby, your host. And I'm delighted to be joined by Norman Riley as well as Warren Barton this week. And uh, just to let you know, the the Patreon podcast for an extra six sixty a month, there or thereabouts, you get an extra five extra shows a week. So please do consider signing up. Um, it's a support of these, you know, these Patreons allows us to get the likes of Warren on and Keith Gillespie. And we're almost hitting 500 subscribers, I believe. So a huge thanks to everyone else who's signed up so far. Norman, a quick one. I've just mentioned Warren and Keith there. I've just done a little bit of a, a little bit of a swat up me before I come on, come on here. The start of the 95-96 season, Norman, um, did you know that um, of the opening 23 League and Cup games, right, Warren and Keith both started before Keith's injury at, uh, at Old Trafford. Guess how many of those 23 games we won, Norman? Oof, that's a question. I'm going to say... 16. Warren? 21. Oh, 18. It was oh. 18. But hey, 18 wins out of 23 League and Cup games, guys. And we've won one in 19 in the league this season. But uh, but yeah, we, we scored 53 goals as well, lads. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just, it's great to remember, isn't it? And another one as well, Norman, mate. When Keith come back from injury, guess how many games Keegan picked Warren and Keith in the same side for the rest of the season? Well, Keith, Keith came back later on in the season, didn't he? Obviously, because he scored at Leeds, right? He came, he came back in February, but he, he didn't get a regular start. How many games did he pick? Warren, what, from sort of February onwards? Warren Warren and Keith. Well, Warren and Keith. Start with starting the game or coming on a sub both, as well, Keith? Both starting. Seven? Three. Yeah. Oh, so, Norman. He wouldn't have lost me, the title. I think me and you need to have a word with Mr. Keegan soon. And, uh, you know, because our, our, our dynamic was always Keith should have come back straight back in the team. The balance of the side was lost. But he's bloody dropped Warren and Keith. So, we need to have a don't, word don't with worry, Mr. Keegan. I told him about it. I told him. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you, Warren, mate. Good for you. Um, just before we crack on, lads, obviously it's Christmas. Uh, Christmas has come and gone for another year. Um, I got um, this cracking book. It was a, a, a official celebration of the Panini, Panini sticker albums. Remember that? So um, yeah, just 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 remembering back in the days in the in the eighties, early nineties. You know when your, your presence was all about football. Can you remember the Super Cup football game, Norman? A couple of batteries. It was one one red side, one blue. 
I can't make it. Back, yeah, yeah, that was. I've just had a, a flashback there of my favourite ever Christmas present. So we'll go well, to Warren first. Yeah, Warren. Well, you look used to it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we are, yeah. But uh, Warren, come on, there must be a, a memory of a, a, a special present, football related, growing up, mate, back in back in your younger days. Yeah, I think um, my, I remember my first ever pair of football boots that my mum bought me. Um, the old Adidas, I think they was like Brazil but they were supposed to be leather, but they obviously wasn't. And I remember tapping across the floor in the uh, in the kitchen and the sounds of the old studs on the ground uh, yeah. was like, remember the players walking down the tunnel and you can yeah. hear that, that that noise. So that that would have been my you know, best and first memory of like a, anything to do with football. I mean, obviously, as you get a little bit older, the, you get the sticker books that was coming out. Like you said with Polini, it was probably something else because I'm a bit older than you guys. So, but that, that was the first memory that I had. My mum had gone and got me a pair of uh, football boots. I remember you. I tell you, this is a flashback. The Kevin Keegan Patrick boots as well. I had a yes. pair of them. Yeah, I had a pair KK done with Patrick, and I had a wow. pair of them as well. And they, they had the old studs that you could screw in and screw out, and yeah, the yeah. long the long metal ones in as well. So um, yeah, I remember having them. That was my first memory. Patrick has new ideas with a like. Um... Now, the weight of those boots that like make you lose weight. You know, you put those boots on, you actually lose a kilo. Back in the back in the day, you back in the day, you're running running like ten kilo boots, aren't you? you imagine. What about you, Norman? Well, the, the Keegan boots is interesting because I've got a pair of um, Kevin Keegan Patrick shin pads with his signature on the shin pads. You know, the, those ones that were like, yeah. you know, those um, like pumice stones you clean your feet with. Basically, like a, just it's like shoving a pair of them in your socks, isn't it? Really, those Patrick shin pads they were absolutely shocking. But um, in terms of a present. Really sad this, but um used to get these like pencil cases that were kind of shaped like a football and then square at the bottom with a zip around it. Black and white, like kind of you know, like a counter goal Adidas style football. And you'd zip you'd unzip it and it'd have like it'd have like a pencil in there, a rubber, rulers, um, pencil sharpeners, just a kind of little bit of stationery. And I made this game up when I was a kid. I used to have this um league, four four leagues, six teams in each. And I used to do the results by rolling the dice. So this stationary kit was like just absolutely ideal for this little league that I constructed. And I had uh, like made up teams' names. Like the teams' names are based on the streets on the estate that I lived on. And uh, <laughs> it was <almost laughs> eight or nine then, and that that present. It, it, weirdly enough, I was thinking about it the other week. This little, I had this little kind of pencil case with uh, all these sort of football football stationary things inside. It was a, uh, it was brilliant. I. Happy, happy oh, memories. Hey, no, you had a bit of a sad childhood, didn't you, son? If that's the only thing you could play with. <laughs> I'll tell, tell you what, mate. Do you I'll tell you what's sad. You mentioned getting a pair of football boots then. So I, I started playing with the boys' brigade when I was about eight, eight or nine years old. And um, I sent my father, who he was living in London at the time, my dad, we were back up in the northeast, you know, and um, I said, can you get us some football boots? Of course, being the cheap skier that he was, he turned up with a pair of um, Cotton Oxford rugby boots because they're cheaper. So I played my first game. You know what? The rugby boots with the, the ankle bits on them. Can you imagine? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he, he, well, running around by the boys again to pick Cotton Oxford rugby boots. What a, no, what a one they, no one they stuck you at the back. They stuck you no. and put you right back. I was. <laughs> no, they, they I didn't get signed up. That was what oh, stopped brilliant. me. I tell you. Brilliant. <laughs> Oh, brilliant, lads. We talk all day about this, but uh, keep with the positivity, Warren. I'm going to come to you first, mate. What a result in performance against Man United, mate. Um, the general feeling up here, though, was probably it's, it feels like two points drop now, considering the strength of the, the shift that Newcastle put in. Um, interested in your views of the game, Warren. Um, you know, and would you say that the style and the tactics that were played is that, is that what you think Eddie Howe's aiming to achieve, mate? Is that, is that 
you know, yeah. crucial moving forward, yeah? Yeah, there's no doubt. I think Eddie come out afterwards, and that's the benchmark now of, of how they can play, how we want St. Maximum to play, how they want to try and press, even with the, the injury to Wilson, it looks like it's going to be a, a few months rather than weeks, so that's, a, that's obviously a big blow. But I just... They was there for the taking. Um, and unfortunately, you know, when you bring someone like Edison Cavani who can score a goal from nothing, it comes off his shin and it goes in. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that's how far we've come in a short space of time with the takeover, with the new coach and being able to get on the training pitch and COVID, people being injured. Um, they, yeah, OK, maybe had a few more days off than and everybody else. And that can help. That can harness you whatever they want to tie and turn it around. But I think to come afterwards, we all come away saying, well, one, what a fantastic atmosphere. What a performance by the boys. They work their socks off. And I think that's all we've ever asked uh, over the last years. Uh, and we see that in abundance with people coming on, working, closing down. But they was there for the taking. But I think that's how far we've come in a short space of time that we're disappointed we didn't get three points off of United. I think we would have asked three months ago, we'd have said, oh, just keep it <laughs> keep it sensible. And we, we, we take that at the moment. So... That's your benchmark. That's how we've got to perform. That's how we've got to try and defend better. There was a few hairy moments. We're not the finished article, uh, but we're getting closer to that January area and we're in and around that tussing distance. And I think we spoke about it, Mark, is if we're in and around that time and can bring some reinforcements in, we're, we're fancy our chances for the remainder of the season. But I thought it was a, it was a great game by us. Uh, they was there. Um, you know, I, I think it also what it shows you the gap between City and United is even bigger than we actually thought. Uh, but I think our performance was a lot better than what we did against City because we, we was a bit more time on the training ground. So there was so many positives, as I said. And, you know, not to be disrespectful, but the fans, again, keep it going. And that's what we need. At the moment, We I think the fans realise we haven't got the players at the moment, but they're trying their best. They're doing it. And they're doing, good. They're doing fine. Don't get me wrong. They're doing well. But they're they're pushing us over that transfer window deadline and then hopefully then that would inspire the, the ownership, the players and the new players coming in to buy into what's going on. I thought it was a, a great occasion and yeah, we're disappointed. It was definitely two points lost. It's interesting you mentioned the uh, the atmosphere and the, the fans, that, that you know, that, that obviously playing a part in it at the moment, Warren. When when you were um, right back at Newcastle back in the day, if you were shooting towards the Leaser's end, so you would have had the Gallagher behind you in the Gallagher corner, strawberry corner as it's known, that is essentially, Norman, where the singing section is now. Um, you know, the, the whole ground do join in, but that is where it all starts from. Now, I, I moved seats um, COVID-related. There was a couple of dropouts because of COVID, and a friend of mine ended up getting a ticket, and he ended up getting another one for his son. So it was a case of, look, you go you go with your son. It's going to be a memorable occasion today. You know, we, we're going to win. I was confident we're going to win 1-0. You go with your son, and I end up going in the east stand and more towards the Lisa's end. So I wasn't really amongst the... The non-stop singing, but it was it was such a, a different experience for me to sort of watch the ground and listen to the pockets of fans singing that it was coming in all directions. And obviously, to my immediate right was the Leeds end, and the Man United fans were making a fair bit of noise up the top. To be fair, though, it was the majority of it was singing about Alan Shearer, which I still find baffling to this day. They're still singing about Shearer, but um, but yeah, it was it was quite moving actually because you had a good vision of the flags because normally the flags I'm in that stand I normally don't really see the visual you just feel it, um, so it was it was great to see that and the atmosphere was was pretty much relentless Norman um, I know you couldn't get up unfortunately this time but I have heard your views I'm more interested in you know your thoughts on the um, the, the injuries we had you know with COVID or well we're having seven players out injuries are COVID. 
We've played three games since the last time Man United played. And uh, they have more or less played that full-strength side. I think we'll all agree on that. Um, we contained them. We we limited them. But we created a few chances. Um, I dislike the fact that the media seem to be focusing a lot more on how poor they were as opposed to how good we were, by the way. Um, but one thing's for certain, mate, you know, we've definitely got a lot of team spirit. And there was a, a fair few obvious standout performances, mate. But I'd like to know your views on A, the atmosphere, how it come across on the telly, uh, but also a bit of a summary on um, on the overall performance, standout players. Because even though I predicted with the win, I think how well we played was a shock to many. I agree, mate. But like you, I felt that we were going to win. It was just, it was one of those where you're thinking, right, head tells you that Manuel win. They've got clearly got better players. They've had the rest, as you mentioned. Regardless of the fact that they've been poor for a long time in terms of how they've been set up tactically on Asolskia, Ranić's new, so it's going to take him a while to kind of bet him what he wants to do. Even then, you could look at Ranić and think, well, all right, he's the you know he's the father of Gagan pressing, but ultimately his career and management hasn't necessarily been trophy laden, um, and he's been out of a out of sort of direct coaching for a couple of years. He's been more of a, a director of football, but even regardless of all that, and, and Warren mentioned, you know, they've got Edison Cavani on the bench, for God's sake. I mean, this is a strong squad, right? You could argue that a midfield isn't particularly strong with Fred Matic and McTominay, but ultimately, they've got some brilliant players there. So your head's telling you, they've got a new manager, they're pushing towards the top of the table. We're bottom, we've just been hammered off Man City, hammered off Liverpool, hammered off Leicester. So your head's like, nah, not happening, not happening. But the gut instinct was, something's happening, something's changing. And despite the defeats that we've had, you can see... As a fan, when you're watching the game kind of forensically week on week, you can see the improvements. You can see that something's coming together and he's making these changes and he's making them in a very short space of time. And I just thought we'd get something. But I, like you, the level of the performance itself was what surprised me. We did not look like a team that had lost its last game 4-0. There was no kind of tentative approach from kickoff. There wasn't any kind of nerves. It was just it was just this togetherness, this cohesive unit the organisation was brilliant and it was almost like they were playing with a confidence, a confidence that I, I don't know where it came from. And, and Warren mentioned they on the tra- like people being on the training ground. That must be kind of being engendered on the training ground, right? The kind of spirit between the players, the manager and the players, they, they must be building something pretty special. And and Maximine, for example, all the criticism he's had levelled at him lately. And, you know, I've been one questioning whether or not he's the kind of player you need in a relegation battle. But you always feel against the so-called bigger teams, he'll step up. And my God, he stepped up. He was fantastic. Individual performances, you can't look beyond Joe Linton in terms of a player who really pulled out an incredible performance and and helped to have the vision to see that this lad isn't going to necessarily be a top-class striker, which is where he was brought in as a striker, but as somebody who has got the attributes to play as a box-to-box midfielder. It's great great work by how to get him to do that and also to, to get that performance out of him and to make him look like somebody who could be really important between now and the end of the season. Um, shout outs to like Emil Kraft. Where did that performance come from? This is a player who has been like, you know, admonished for like the, the whole time that he's been in Newcastle because he has been pretty poor, right? He's been played out of position, you could argue. But ultimately, he's been he's been poor, yet he pulled out a great performance. Ryan Fraser, I thought, there's somebody who's clearly getting their fitness back together, looking good. Sean Longstaff, in from out of the cold, looking like the player that he was in Rafa Benitez. So, so many positives to take from it. Um, obviously, you're looking at the Wilson injury, which is which is quite worrying. But what it got me thinking was, mate, actually, in terms of the team spirit, if you look at the nucleus nucleus of that squad, the nucleus is players who, who were there under Benitez. And one of the things under Benitez that was really strong was the team spirit. So it looks to me like how's come in, 
and he's kind of utilised that, right? He's, he's brought that togetherness in again really quickly, and, and it's it's what we need between now and the end of the season because when you're in a battle at the bottom, the bottom end of the table, a relegation battle, you can't have players falling out. You can't have a kind of disjointed uh, squad. And, and what I saw against Man U was, has offered me a great amount of hope. And just quickly on the atmosphere, look, the matches I've been to since I took over, it, it's been spectacular, non-stop singing. And that is one of those games for the first time in a long time. You can, you can, you can audibly get it on TV. Like, yeah, yeah, the singing is going and going and going. And it's not just pockets it's not just the occasional all the mics picked up on a section of the ground this was like just constant and it was a it was a joy to watch mate it really was i'll just go into that a little bit uh fellas as well when i was at the club when you know the fans are backing you that gives you an extra confidence you know and it, it may only be for 10 15 minutes because that's what fans sometimes are like for us we turn that into a positive and i think the players are doing that now i think three months ago they was dreading going to a game because it was on their mind. And it takes, it takes strong characters to come through that. And lucky enough, when we played, we had strong characters, but we never had that toxic atmosphere at all. Even with Kenny at the end, it wasn't that bad because it only lasted a couple of games and then uh, Kenny Dalglish got changes. And secondly, that I keep hearing from players, I understand my job. And as a player, that's all you've got. You understand what your role is for the team then that gives you another added confidence. So they're going into games now, like Eddie's giving on the training ground. And even if you're just walking through it, and this was my problem with, with, with Steve Bruce, when you're giving people days off, and it was like, well, they're away, it's, they're tired. I'm not saying you're going to run them, but you can walk through things and look at video. I mean, the game's changed. So you have to be that togetherness of being around each other, like talking to each other. Because if you just have three days off and disappear, you sort of like lose contact with each other. So I think, you know, the fans have obviously played their part and we, we've spoke about how they are. So players can go into a game with that feeling of off their back. They're not going to be on me in the first team. And then you're into the game and you're playing in the energy and you can see with the performance. And you, you said about Maximum and how his performance of playing and the way he closed down. There was a, a great piece that the social media did with Newcastle. I think it was like 30 seconds of just us closing down and the roar come through the TV screen by just doing that. It wasn't even a tackle. It wasn't even a, a shot of goal or even a goal. It was just the fact they could see the boys working hard together as a group, closing down. And I think Varane just kicked it out for a throw-in and then we got the ball and it, it was a big roar. So I think you look at the players going into it with that confidence for the fans. I think they go into the game understanding what their job is. So even if they go goal down or things are not going, they understand what they need to do. And then obviously Eddie has given that individual confidence. Joe Linton... And I was delighted for him because you get these pundits that have not, again, we go on about it, that just say something to get some hits and likes and whatever they want to try and do. You know, what it does to them, it belittles them because when he, we've seen him improve unrecognisable from what we see eight weeks ago because of his confidence. And I see him when he was in Hoffenheim. He was, and I said it to Steve, when Steve played him as a number, he ain't a, he's never been a number nine. He was like a number eight. Like could cut, he's not a defensive midfield player, but he'd come back and then he was, he's good enough and intelligent enough with the influence of the Brazilian flair to try and go forward. But what's impressed me, and we spoke about this as like these flair players, all we want you to do is work hard. With your ability, then we've got a real player. And I think that's what we've seen in the last few weeks because they're going to the games like, hey, they're working hard. They've got good ability. I mean, he's touched when he brought it down from the air, get it out of his feet, little one-twos, and then played it off his... It's phenomenal. Now he's got to do that regular now. And regular, he's got to do that till the end of the season. But just touching on that and just give you a little bit of what it's like to be a player going to a game. 
that is the the confidence that you need as a player going into and then you, you hopefully your ability being a premier league player will come forward absolutely brilliant to hear that and i was going to ask you warren actually you mentioned the togetherness there in the squad right when when robson came in and i might be remembering this incorrectly but when he came in given how it was under hullet right you, you know you're talking about players having three days off and not having that big that opportunity to spend time with each other and kind of you know form form those bonds am i right in thinking when robson came in he kind of made you all eat together and he banned possibly mobile phones or is that is that just a figment of the imagination no no you're you're, you're right no what, what he did as well is bring nikos rob lee and stuart pierce from the kids that was training with he was training with the kids so that was our friend we had yeah, rob lee them three training with the kids rude hullet so bobby said you know get them over so we was like oh Great, they're back. And then he said, we're all eating together. No one can just get in their car and leave. We'd all eat together upstairs. And you know, some of the lads, like Kieran, was never a big eater after training, but he'd have a little bit of chicken and just be sitting there. And he'd just put the phones. The phones could be on the table, but don't be on your phone when you're talking, when you're eating. And then go, it was little things like that. And he knew the likes of us that, you know, we'd have a golf day together or we'd have a, another training session together or we'd be together somewhere. And that snowballed on to getting results. And as I said, but yeah, Bobby was straight away, you know, and again, he carried that from when he was in Europe. But, you know, that's how he said straight away, everybody must at least go upstairs. And, and our Bobby was like, these people up here, they're cooking for you. They're giving their food, get up there and start eating. So we, we did. <laughs> that's what we did. And, and then it, I said, got everybody together. We're having a laugh and a joke with all, all the lads and even the shy lads like Cole Court. We brought him together. He's sitting around. I think Lamar had done a uh, had done a, a podcast the other day. When he first came from Colchester, he was overawed and he was a really nervous kid. And, you know, we would try and make him feel welcome and sit with us early. You know, he was very shy as well. And it was the fact that broke the ice that Alan would sit and talk to him after training. And he called him a magician. Because Lua was, Lamana was fantastic. He could do everything. And that sort of made him comfortable because he was sitting around the table with Alan, Gary, Shay. We're talking and it just breaks the ice. And it wasn't too long before we start seeing Shola doing well. As I said before, with like Kieran being more confident as he was, Lamana, you know, Aaron Hughes, these people that was maybe a little bit shy, got in their car and drove off. We, we was all there for, you know, 30, 40 minutes after training. Some of us there was longer, but it was, uh, that's a big part of it. As I always said, you know, when you're up there, for me, would don't you don't really need a day off because you're going to have your holidays. You can go away. You might need if there's a, a weekend to go away. But most of all, you want to be around everybody training and, and be around the the training ground. There's certainly a, a clear togetherness amongst the, the, the squad. You know that the start eleven fundamentally, but the substitutes or <laughs> what we've got left, um, the coaches, the management, the fans, and it's it's it sounds a little bit corny, but we did sample it under Rafa a hell of a lot, but I genuinely feel that this this does seem different, and I don't. I, it's probably because we've got new owners, um, because there's there's not just a manager we can you know hang our hat on. We're really all looking forward, and we will we will touch on uh, next year at the close of the show. Um, but yeah, it, it's certainly exciting. I know it's a one-one draw. I know it's seen as you two know, points dropped. That what but, reminds me, and you're yeah. no better than us. And the, the Kevin Keegan era of being, you know in the championship or the old division two at the time and being at the beginning of something exciting and to say i was there you know even if it's a small part of it that they was there it's, and i think these players realize now is that this could be something special this could be and it will be you know you know it's like manchester city it, it was a wave and it just kept going and going and if it's not 
this week, it'd be the following week and it'd be the following month. And that's what you're seeing this wave of excitement. And, and I think the players are saying, for as long as I'm here, I'm going to enjoy this environment. And it might only be until the end of the season. And we say, thank you so much. And off you go. I mean, there was a great article about Brian Kilcallan Killer that was at the beginning. Keegan's first signing. You know, what a signing he was. And I remember the great story about when they was in Cyprus and shaved half his moustache off and he chased them around. Just things like that was that togetherness. And then Killer was there and, and, and Venners and all the other players to be part of that. And they'll always be remembered for that. And, you know, whether it's going to be, you know, Fraser or Richie, they'll always be part of if they can manage to, which I think they will do, stay up and then build from that. They'll always be welcome. And I think they realise that. I think they realise that because before, with all due respect, we couldn't wait to get them out the door because it was like, you, you're not trying, you're not doing this. But now there seems to be a, a, a very much of a momentum and a wave of, of feel-good factor. I'm doing my best while I'm there. Whatever I can do to do my best, I'm going to do it. And even the lap of honour afterwards, you know, Eddie going around to all the, the, the fans as well. Yeah, you've got to start winning. And I said this to someone else, you know, the honeymoon's over now. The honeymoon's, it's great. We're behind you. We're going to support you. We're, we're with you. But now you've got to start proving. And I think that comes with the owners. I think it comes with the players. And it obviously comes with the coaching staff. And I think what an exciting time to be around Newcastle, even when you're bottom of the league. You know, that's how that's how crazy it seems. I look at Norwich. They're, they look like they haven't got a, a work rate between them. But that spirit is definitely there. There's no doubt about that. And it comes from him. It, come, it, comes, from, it comes from KK. I'm not saying Eddie's KK by a long way. But he's got that sort of mentality and that, IQ of what what it means to be part of something special. Absolutely, perfectly said that back on yourself, and the fact that you've linked in the probably the most enjoyable. Well, it was, wasn't it, Norman? The start of nineteen ninety two, the Kevin Keegan revolutionising the club, and the fact that Warren just brought that in me. It's it's an emotional time, Christmas, but I do feel like uh, weeping a little bit now. But uh, <laughs> on that positive note, we're going to take a sw- uh, short break uh, for a commercial break. We'll be back with you very shortly. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Hello, listeners. Welcome back to part two of the ProView podcast with Warren Barton and Norman Riley. Warren, I'm going to come to you, mate. You mentioned before about Callum Wilson. Now, we have heard a little bit better news this afternoon. Uh, Craig Hope, friend of the, uh, the True Faith show, he's tweeted and he's suggesting that he, it won't be months. It might only be a few weeks. So he could be out for a month, shall we say. Um, but we know that it's a huge, massive blow because, um, again, he looked fantastic in the first half the other night, leading the line very well. Um, I mentioned Lacazette as, as a sort of an outside chance because he was coming to the, the last six months of his contract at Arsenal. Now, all of a sudden, he's starting to get a game. <laughs> so I think we're going to say goodbye <laughs> to that that one. But Can get the other one in, Aubameyang? Yeah, the other work you take it. Yeah. But Warren, I mean, what, what? It's probably a difficult question to answer. But uh, being the ex-pro, what sort of striker or forward should Eddie Howe or strikers? We know we need more than one. We know we do. Who should we be looking for? What type of striker will fit into this way of playing? I think you look at the the way that he wants a mobile player to play. Um, that he wants us to try and press. So I think you've got to have a, an athletic striker. Um, Bastos was one that they spoke about in the concert. Was he's not the most mobile, but he's a good worker and he's a he's a big target man. Um, maybe they're going to look around and, and find, um, as I said, maybe players that are, are in the, the Germans Bundesliga or Liga. And um, I think that's where you need to to look and do your homework because ideally you were saying Lingard, Trippier, they was quite you know ready available. Um, Prowse as well. I think he's a hell of a player at Southampton. I mean, Phil, I know he's not a striker, but I think you could tempt him away for some big money. Set pieces is something that he's good at. We need to work a little bit better on that. Um, I know that's not a striker, but uh, you know, I, I think they they would look around and if there's lone striker, I see the you know player at PSG. But listen, we're going to be linked with every player, and that's going to be the frustrating thing. But hopefully, the the, the organisation and the ownership are looking at the right areas, but. I think the blueprint is going to be someone who's athletic, big and strong, which, you know, there's quite a lot of players that are like that. And hopefully you get someone with a bit of ability and that can score goals. And I think we touched on this before. If you get the three or four uh, stable players and then a rough diamond, you know, because if Wilson comes back, he's straight in the lineup because he's, he's that good a player and he's been that influence. So you need a player that's going to be willing to understand it. But, you know, to go and play for the club, like I said, the feel-good factors out there, um, you know, there's definitely players to, to look at that you could bring in. But um, I think you have to look at a type of what we're looking at. You know, we've, we've going back with Kevin and particularly Sir Bobby at our time, they was all very dynamic and quick players. Um, and I think that's maybe what Eddie looks for now. Uh, so I don't see a big, strong number nine. I see someone that's going to run in behind, that's going to close down um, and play balls down the side uh, and work hard as well. But there's definitely players out there, you know, um, they're, you know, they've just got to be conscious of of the finance of what they're doing it. So, um, yeah, I think there's enough quality. But like everybody, we're linked with most players at the moment, which is quite refreshing rather than just we get someone on Arsenal's youth team that can maybe help us out for six weeks. So, um, fingers crossed, you know, there's <laughs> there's a lot of things to, to take into consideration. But they've had a few weeks to look at it now um, uh-huh. and digest. Norman, we've, we've, we've talked about potential targets, sort of some of them are you know, fantasy league, shall we say, but the more realistic ones, we'll have a couple of feet on the ground, mate. Um, you speak to a hell of a lot of supporters from other clubs when we do the, um, you know, the, the supporters' view before the opponent. Um, is there any gems we're not aware of? Is there anyone you you think, you know what, there was genuine 
um, belief that we can potentially steal this player? Or if it's if it's someone we've heard of, is there any sort of information you get from other supporters out there who we could be linked with? Well, I tell I tell you what, like, and it's interesting because um, because we're in this position where you're thinking, right? Do we need to get somebody who is, let's say, a kind of borderline world class now, right? Because the position we're in, we need somebody who can just come in, bang, bang, bang. This person's excellent. Um, or you know, we might like Aubameyang kind of fits in that category. Right? He's excellent. He's an excellent player. He's had a great career. He scored loads of goals. But he's 31, 32, right? He's had massive money all of his career. You've got to ask yourself, is the, is the motivation there for him to really push himself to, you know, to kind of collapse to keep Newcastle United up? Perhaps not. That's not a criticism of Aubameyang, you know, but it's, it's just kind of the nature of the game, right? He's 32, he's got everything. How about someone Fast. like Tammy Abraham? Like, well, um... I mean, Abraham's, well, unfortunately, I think just the fact that he's just gone to Roma means that he'd be, right now, he would meet again. But in terms of signing... My God, I would love Tammy Abraham. He's a brilliant player. Who I'm thinking of, and you mentioned Arsenal Reserve there, I think Eddie Nketiah has got a lot to prove, and I think he could he could be a decent signing. However, we need someone who who I think can have an impact now. And this this might sound a bit of a kind of curveball, but the lad at Blackburn, Brereton Diaz, who started playing for the Chilean national team, he's got 19 goals in 23 games at Blackburn this season. He's mobile, but he's also big, so he can kind of work as a target man. And he... Also, he's at the age where he wants to prove something. He's very highly rated in Nottingham Forest, very highly rated. At the time, he was being touted for big Premier League clubs when he was, what, 17, 18. He'd just broken through. Didn't work out. He's gone to Blackburn. He's been playing for Tony Mowbray. Tony Mowbray is a very good manager at that level. He gets teams playing the ball on the ground. He improves players, right? You look what he did with um, Harvey Elliott, who, when he came back from a year at Blackburn, walked straight into the Liverpool first team. Unfortunate injury this the start of the season, but he was, he was part of that Liverpool team at the age of 18. So that kind of player wants to prove himself. I would like to see him. Flip side of that, we're talking about Edison Cavani before. The issue with Cavani is, man, you won't give him a two-year contract, right? Although he's 34 years old, he's still incredibly athletic. His ability to just score from nothing is... Uh, I genuinely don't think there's a forward in Europe who can, who can do it quite like him. And I just think, imagine making a statement and saying, right, Edison, we're going to give you two years, mate. He has the money. He has your bonus for keeping up. He has your goals bonus. Come to Newcastle, lead the front line. That would be that would be wonderful. So it's a kind of a, a balancing act between bringing in someone who's got someone to prove and somebody who has already proven it, but will still have the motivation to do well. And Cavani for me is the kind of player who, regardless of where he plays, regardless of what he's achieved, regardless of what he's earned, will still want to go out and score goals. Here's another one from Wolves, Raul Jimenez. You know, he's had that bad injury that they're not really scoring 100%. goals at the moment. It could be a breath of fresh air for him, you know, to come in and, and bang in. 18 goals before the end of the season. So, some, like he's proven he's played, but whether it's the injury or whether their style of play at the moment, they're not scoring goals. Wolves, not just him, but the the whole team. You know, maybe go and raid them and go and get Connor Cody at the back and then him up front. I, I, you know, they, that's the type of thing I'd be looking at. You know, because he's at a good age and you get another couple of years out of him. And I think he'd understand that he maybe not going to play every week if you're in the next year or so. But uh, th- there would be someone that I would look at as well. I think one thing, one thing's for certain. This time next month, we'll be talking about who's coming. You yeah. know what I mean, and what potential they've got. That's that's the beauty about this. This isn't Mike Ashley's Newcastle United anymore. You know, and that that's the good thing about it. We know we're in trouble. We know we've got to do something about it. And I'll be I'll be amazed if we're sitting here next month and we haven't signed anyone. I think we all will. But uh, I'll be disappointed the... as well. I, yeah. I think I think we've given we being the fans have given everything in the last few weeks. We've said, listen, this is us, and we're behind you. So, and I've said this before, 
in a, the pressure now is on the ownership because they've come in and they've said the right things and they you know they've done great they but we need you now we, we need you yeah. and I, I think that's the type of feeling i get that i want to say listen i'm out there for you we we've given you everything and we're going to support you and you've just had a glimpse of what it could be like please do it for our club you know please do it and uh, that's extra you know i think if it was if we was mid-table now and they might start thinking you know what we're, we're all right we're okay and we'll be a bit more stew about that and just speaking to people in the club and, and people that are, you know some ex-players and things like that it's like you know what now we've showed you what the club could be like you've had a glimpse of it but please do it now this is we need it we can't we can't go back and start i remember telling you the story you know when we didn't win the league we started dismantling the entertainers it took us another four years until bobby come to get us back where we where we, we wanted to be which was challenging so you know we don't want to god forbid do that step down to come back up because then you're starting all over again so you know you're better off to spend now and get everybody this wave like I spoke about Man City, you've got to keep that wave going. Absolutely. And I'll be I'll be amazed if the owners haven't got something in place for next week. You know what I mean? It's it, Transfer window opens next week. I'll be amazed if people aren't through the door before the... Well, I've um, just well, sent them my email just in case, you know, just if anybody, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if they're that desperate for two goalkeepers well, on the bench. Yeah, we're definitely short in numbers, Warren. Norman, sadly, mate, the Everton game's been postponed. It's our turn to get a wave of COVID around, around the club. Um, Southampton game looks in serious doubt as well. Um, just a, qu a quick one on this, mate. You know, following the performance on Monday, you know, as fantastic as it was, do you do you think that, you know, it, we do actually need a breather? Or would you think it's probably best to build on that performance and really go after a, you know, a struggling Everton side who have got a, a manager that the fans really don't want? Um, would you have preferred to have kicked on and played Everton this week and Southampton potentially if it gets called off? Or do you think we need a breather, mate, and recharge the batteries? Well, I'm looking forward to Warren's answer on this one, obviously, as a, as a you know, a, a former pro who who understands the that side of the game better than I do. But from my, my perspective as a fan, I looked at it like this. They've had Everton have had a good break, so they would have been on the training ground with Benitez for a few weeks. Benitez, as we know as a manager, is incredibly forensic when it comes to his preparation. He knows a lot of that Newcastle squad. The good mood and spirit that's been engendered from the Man United performance with us. To take that to Everton, as good as it sounds, I still had this feeling that Everton would probably do a number on me and they might beat with Jutton. And, and that would kind of erode on that confidence that's built up. Now, almost all of a sudden, we've got a week off between um, Man U and Southampton. That good mood's going to be on the training ground for the full week. Southampton have had another game in between. They've also had a man sent off in that game. They are low on numbers in terms, of the, in terms of the size and the quality of their squad. So for me, going into this game against Southampton, if the Southampton game gets ahead, of course, I'll be looking at and thinking, I'm glad the Everton game was called off. If they call the Southampton game off, I'll be devastated because I'm due to gun and I just want to deal on the source, to be honest with you. <laughs> no, no, I couldn't agree more. I think, you know, obviously with the situation, a couple of injuries here and there. Um, as we said with Wilson, so Maxwell's got a little calf strain. So if you can give him that little bit of time, uh, as a player, you obviously want to play, but you're also a player. You want to go down there feeling you've got a great opportunity rather than having, you know, 13, 14 players and two goalkeepers on the bench. I throw on top of it as well, you might even by the Southampton game have someone confirmed coming in. So you might have him say, it's been agreed, he's going to sign on January the 1st, they're coming. So that's another lift on top of what happened against um, Manchester United. So as much as we want to keep playing, we want to keep enjoying it, we want to keep the game going. 
I think it'd do us the, the, the world of good just to have a little bit of time. Again, you said about Rafa having time on the tra- training ground. For Eddie to have more time on the training ground as well, to say, look, we did this great, but we need to do this a bit better. Um, so I think that's that's a double double win for us as well, just to give everybody a little bit of a breather, build on what we've got, regroup, refocus, because you don't want to be going down there with the bare bones because, as you said, as much as they're under pressure and their fans have turned on Rafa, um, they'll still be ready to go and perform, and obviously we're going to be short, short of numbers. Tell you what, Warren, you know, you obviously get a lot of managers, um, especially managers of the so-called bigger clubs, coming out and saying there are too many games over Christmas, it's unfair, we need to make this amount of substitutions. From your perspective, were you ever in a situation? Because obviously, you know, you were playing back in the day when there was no kind of argument over you're playing four games in the space of eight days or Christmas or whatever it was, the madness that it was back then. Did you Were you ever in a situation where you thought, you know what, I can't be arsed. I've just played 36 hours earlier and I cannot be arsed. No, n- not at all. Well, I love the, the festive period. It was it was something special about it. You could feel it in the air, the atmosphere, um, the cold mornings, getting ready for the game, training the next day. So, no, I don't have a problem. And, and when I see, you know, managers and players coming out saying, you know, it's too many games to build up, uh, you know, it's that the, the TV money that's giving that so they you can't have your cake and eat it you're having the tv money but you don't want to play the games because they're spreading it over it's like well okay let's deduct some of your salary because you don't want to play at these holiday periods uh and if you do well we give it back to you i think they soon change their mind there and want to play i remember we played the 26th the 28th the 31st and then we played the fa cup game or another game on the the monday night so no, it was it, it was never a problem. Um, yes, it was tough. Don't don't get me wrong. You wouldn't do that to a racehorse, you know, let alone uh, a, a player. But you know, it was all part of what makes the Premier League what it is. And then there's time in the spring, March, April, where you do get a week off and you do get a bit more time. And obviously the FA Cup, but you know, and and there's a, a World Cup that they're looking to bring in as well. So I, I think it's a bit hypocritical when you know these people are saying it's too many games and the TV. Okay, then let's not have the TV money and let's change all that around and see how you like that. Um, you know, it's part of of what it, our culture. I, I do I do think because of the COVID situation, I've not got a problem making subs. I think you could say right for six weeks because of how this COVID is hitting everybody, we're going to open that window where you can make the five substitution. I've not got a problem with that. I think that's a sensible thing to do, and people may say, well, it helps the bigger clubs. Pretty much it could help everybody, even if you feel like there's a young kid that can go on and change a game for you and give him an opportunity. So I haven't got a problem with that. What I've got a problem is saying, well, you know, the TV are dictating that we're playing. You know, it's great for us because we can watch a game like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, uh, all these live games. Um, but as a player, I, you know, I was looking forward to the games and it just has a special atmosphere because, you know, the whole of Europe's shut down um and, and they're watching that they're watching our games you know but and it's such a, a special thing for the fans you've been indoors all day you're going there with your kids your, your wife your girlfriend whoever it may be you, all your mates going to watch your game it, it, it's it you know you go to the same pub you're ready to go you've got your silly christmas hat on and you're, you're ready to go and watch the game it's it's all part of the holiday period absolutely i mean norman you, you probably remember this as well in the late 80s we used to play two days in a row i remember one <laughs> yeah, you are old we are old. We, <laughs> we, um, we played Everton in the absolutely battle of 4-0. That was Sheedy, Stephen, Sharp, Heath and all that lot. The beat were seen out. That was my first ever game. 
Well, there you go. So it was your fault. But we got beat off Everton at home, 4 0. And the next day we played Watford away and we got beaten all. So imagine that, two days in a row, no goals. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean I mean look look, if 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 the Southampton game's off as well, we're gonna we're gonna get a full a full two weeks or about three weeks it will be from Premier League football. I'll, I'll quickly come to you, Warren May, because you know when, when when we looked at the fixtures when Eddie Howe first come in, we had Brentford at home, Norwich at home, Burnley at home. We did see them as must-win games. We've got five points, you know. But when we look at the next set of fixtures coming up, we've got through the hardest bit, in in my opinion. You know, the fixtures that we've that we've just played, and yet we've only got one point out of them four games. But hey, it's still an unexpected point. Happy days. But if we get into the new year after the cup game, we would have um, Watford at home, followed by Leeds away, and then in early February will be two quick games at home in in a week: Everton in Aston Villa. Now, for me. If we're still in that three come mid-February and we haven't picked up many points from that, they them set of fixtures. Well, then we'll we'll start to worry a little bit, even though the new players will only have a month or so at the club. What's your thoughts, me? Are, are we got to be looking at a minimum eight to ten points out of them fixtures? You think? Yeah, yeah. I think we was able to have that breathing space over the Norwich game, the Burnley game. Uh, Brentford obviously with Eddie's first game then he gets COVID so he can't be on the touchline but there was already an improvement of scoring three goals but obviously we conceded three yeah I think if you go into that period not beating Watford at home you know not getting anything maybe from Leeds which is difficult um, and obviously the Everton guy this and it, it was great Chris Waddle I was listening to Chris he was doing the, the world feed over here We've all, there's no real easy game in the Premier League you know you can't you can't turn around and say that's a that's a win and but you do look at games and think the home games, you've got to start winning. That's what I believe. And then you try and pick up points away from home. So when you're playing teams at home, like we've had City at home, so we ain't got to have them again. Um, the other Chelsea we've played, obviously. So I think from that point of view, you say, right, we start winning our home games. By March, if you're in, or in a, that bottom zone and your points adrift, then I would really start worrying because the new players have had time. But I, I just don't see that happening now. I don't see that, even with a congested fixture with the games that have been cancelled. I just see it as easing up. I can see like Leeds are getting dragged in there because he's never going to change the style of football. As much as he's, you know, coming to the Premier League and it's a breath of fresh air, what's going to be his Achilles heel is not changing. Even Pep's changed his style of football. Yes, he wants to do, but you see sometimes the keeper will hit a 50, 60 yard diagonal ball out from the goal kick or, you know, Ruben Diaz will kick the ball into the stand that they've, they've adjusted to the Premier League because that's what it, that's what it does. He don't think he's going to do that and they're getting pulled all over the place. I also think another team from above was going to get dragged into it, whether it's Everton, that could be done. Uh, Steven Gerrard's given Villa that lift. But again, there are only a couple of results being dragged back into it again. So we've just got, you know, it's the old cliche, but we've just got to worry about us. And then the rest will then will take care of itself. Um, and I think if that happens, we've got every chance. But you're, you're right, Mark. I think them fixtures, new players, feel good factor, lots of energy, lots of positivity. They're the ones you've got to win. And if you win that, all of a sudden you're starting to look a lot a lot more positive and a lot more higher up rather than looking over your shoulder and the others start to worry about that. But I, I listen, I think it's going to be right until the last couple of games of the season. I don't think we're going to be out of it. I totally agree with you there, Warren. And uh, Norman, feel good factors. I mean, we're jumping from one topic to another here because we don't know when we're going to be able to do a preview and actually talk about games because we don't know what's going to happen over the next couple of days. But Cambridge, Cambridge in the cup, mate. A little bit of a curveball, this, because um, <laughs> obviously it'll only be one week in the transfer window. Um, when we were kids, it was all about the FA Cup. I'm sure we'll come to Warren 
and a little bit about the FA Cup and what it meant to him as a footballer. It's lost that little bit of sort of um, passion, can we say? Um, but look, Newcastle United spot is love an FA Cup run regardless, mate. Or should should anyhow be looking at that and going, put the kids out, we've got to, we've got to make sure we stop up and just forget about the cup. What's your thoughts, Norman? First of all, the four games you mentioned coming up, I'm confident we'll get 12 points, obviously. That's going to happen, clearly. Let's <laughs> go for it. Um, right, the, uh, put the mockers on it there, Norman. We're getting no, uh, I've, I've, already, I've already put a five run. We're winning the four, man. We're, do, we're done. Um, the, the Cambridge game, look, the way, the way I look at this Cambridge game is, do I think Newcastle United are going to win the FA Cup this season? Probably not. So, uh, are we looking at a cup run being a distraction from the league? More likely not, because we, we'll probably get the fourth or fifth round and get a Premier League team maybe away. We might lose it. I look at the Cambridge game like this, right? If we put out a, a relatively full-strength team, play with full intensity, and batter them like by three or four goals, which we which we're capable of doing, confidence, right? That's confidence. Right? I don't know. Joe Linton gets on the score sheet. There you go. He scored a goal. Confidence guns up. Almiron scores a goal. He hasn't scored for a while. Confidence guns up. It's a win, right? We're a team that has won one game this season. So Cambridge United, there's an opportunity to win a game of football. Winning breeds confidence. Doesn't matter how you're playing, as far as I'm concerned. If you win, it's going to lift you. So I look at it like this: put a full strength team, win the game, take the confidence from it. What do you would a cup run if we get through to the fourth round? Warren, I'll, I'll throw that question to you, mate. As a, as a player, I mean, back in the day, if your manager turned out to you and you knew you were a first team regular, which you were, and he turned around and says, "I'm going to rest you. I'm going to bring a kid in. We're not taking the cup seriously." What what would you have thought? No, we, there would have been a bit of a backlash because. Even the Stevenish Borough game. Do you remember that when we, you know, we being Kelly said, "Look, let's play at home," and then it got the, the backlash of like, "Oh, you're scared of us," and we're coming forward, and we had to, you know, beat them at home. I totally agree with Norman. I mean, at the moment you're playing at home, you're playing against a team in the lower leagues, play a strong team, unless anybody's got a little injury here or there, but play as strong as you can, win the game quite comfortably. You spoke about that feel-good factor. As a player, I would want to play, uh, and it's great, like you said, get a couple of goals and assists, keep a clean sheet. And build up and worry about the next round when it comes. You know, don't worry. I mean, this is an ideal situation for to let the fans and, and please got to. Uh, hopefully, I'm going to be at the game. I want to try and get over uh, and see my mum uh, as well, my brother and sister in London, and then I'm going to come up for the for the game and see that as long as everything's all right travel wise. Um, so I'll be looking forward to the game. I'll be looking to the atmosphere. I'll be looking forward to the fans. The FA Cup special. We know about that in the 50s. How much uh, it meant to the the, the fans and the club. And obviously, you know, the times that we had two FA Cup finals when our time was there, you know, team won the double, the other one won the treble. So it was never going to be for us. And we got beat by Chelsea in the semi-final, which was a, a big, big blow. Um, but it was always a good atmosphere. Even, you know, you'll probably remember, fellas, when we went down to Tranmere. Remember playing them with that long throw? I mean, he threw it back in Merseyside across the, the river. and threw it right Dave Challoner. Dave Challoner. He made a career out of that and just throwing the ball. So we had the head of that and won that game. And... If you remember rightly, Big Al played, Big Duncan played, and uh, all the big boys played. So we ended up winning the game, and that was against Tranmere, where you think like you know, John Aldridge's team, where we got good enough to maybe play a few fringe players. No, we played a strong squad and, and obviously won the game. And the two semi-finals that we had at Old Trafford are, are brilliant memories for the fans and, and for the players. So yeah, I take this game, this game, you know, serious and respect the, the competition. I think, like you said, uh, Mark. It's lost its romance, the FA Cup. It happened really with Sir Alex when he started going back way, way back when he left teams uh, because they was playing in the World Cup competition. And, you know, teams have used it as like playing kids, playing this. But as a player, I fell in love with wanting to play football because, as I said, seeing Alan Sunderland score the winning goal 
in the 1979 FA Cup final against Man United at the old Wembley made me fall in love with the FA Cup. So that's as a player, you you want to be part first, um, part of, first and foremost part of that. So it's special. You know, I think it's a game that we can't afford to take lightly. And like you said, we've won one game this season. So you can't say we'll pick and choose what we're going to win because we need to start winning and, and keep that feel-good factor going. Yeah, I mean the first the first game I really remember sitting down and watching the build up, and really enjoying the game was the '86 Merseyside final. Lineker, Ian Rush, Liverpool won three one, won the double. You know, and it just goes to show like what the FA Cup meant back then. And, and, and as you see, I think romance is the, the perfect word, Warren, because it has lost it. But look, I think there's, I think there'll still be a good good crowd there. Um, I'm certainly going, and uh, it'll be great if you can make it up, mate. Because long long overdue visit to St James's Park for you, mate. Um, oh, yeah. Warren, it's 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 been a it's been a bonkers year, you know, with COVID, with being allowed back into the ground, with the Steve Bruce sort of, and you know the fans were against him for the majority of the time he was at the club. He did never seem to win the fans over. He didn't do enough to do that. And then we got the takeover. Um, it's been a roller coaster, Norman, hasn't it? There's been so many downs, but we're, we're all talking positively here as we went for a new year. Warren, it's been a pleasure to have you on these podcasts, mate. A, a different view to, to Keith, of course. Um, but I'd love you just to sort of conclude the podcast with a message for the listeners, really, and a message for the supporters, because you've you've always been a great advocate for the supporters. You've spoke very proudly. Uh, you are one of us. It's appreciable. It's true. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I just love you to just end this year with a pro views, with a, a word for the supporters, Warren. Over to you, mate. Yeah, I think what this shown this calendar year is that as much as the disappointment, the frustration, you know, way way back of no fans being in a stadium not being totally behind the manager and the ownership for, for the right reasons, you know, not feeling part of the club, not feeling respected. And then to still be there full house every week. And because it is a special place, because it is their club, because it is their, their way of life, their living, their, their heart and soul of it. You know, they, they work hard every morning, they being the fans and the people at the club that want to be there. And to see that, celebration of the new ownership of seeing the singing of the songs and the flags being waved after the Burnley game, after the, the Man United game that we just had, understanding what it all means for everybody and to still have that dignity and that pride about their club through all of that. When you think of January, how it was to what we've just had against Man United speaks volumes of the people in the, in the area, not just about the fans, but about the people in that area about, what what they are, what they are about their club and what they are about their people and sticking behind each other. And when I say things, I say it because I mean it, because when I was up there, and obviously not from the area, they made me feel part of them. And not just the fans of being a Newcastle, but being from the North East, of being friendly to someone, supporting someone when you're on your knees. And that's why I got involved with the trust. And when I started publicly coming out, not because I wanted to blow my own trumpet, it was because... That they it looked vulnerable, it looked weak, and that ain't Newcastle. And you've seen that this wave of of excitement and togetherness and spirit and the podcast or Zoom calls or whatever you, you know whatever people have been able to do to get together and to be where we are now. No other group of fans in the world would ever do that. Would it, would ever be from where they was in January to where they are now, being as one supporting each other going through all that even when supporting the food bank when the only chance they could go to St James's Park was to go and help people in the area they was going up there in their thousands going to support people giving them their own money 
to to help someone else out. And listen, it's not the only club that have done it. There's other clubs, but the people was doing it, and that's what's made the club what it is and where they are now. And that's why I said to you, they've given everything, and now it's down to the club and the owners and the flat to give something back. And I think we're in a great position to do that. Absolutely, perfectly put, Warren, mate. And thanks a lot for that, buddy. I'm sure the sport as will uh, will appreciate that. If you wasn't um, crying before, Mark. You've been crying now, mate. Oh, it's mate. It's, it's, I can it's see you rubbing your drink. eyes. See, oh, it's enough to make you drink, Warren. <laughs> see you rubbing your eyes. <laughs> but uh, no, once again, Warren, really th thank you for your time. Um, Norman, it's been a pleasure this year, mate. We've, we've done some uh, fantastic podcasts with Keith, Andy Griffin. Don't forget Andy Griffin. And of course, Warren. Uh, plenty more to come. Uh, listeners, if you enjoy this, um, do consider signing up, as I say, £6.60 a month, uh, at least five more Patreon podcasts um, a week, and uh, it'd be great to get your views. Cheers, gents, and all the very best for next year. Pleasure, gents.